Hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or from any time of the day you're listening to this. I want to welcome you to another episode of Exploring Our Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host Salomon, I'm 20 years old, I'm currently majoring in computer science and I'm from Florida. I am very pleased to have Victoria and Richard. How are you guys doing today? Hello guys, um, my name is Victoria and I am also from Florida and I currently go to FIU and my current major is in graphic design. Hello everyone, I'm Richard. Uh, I am currently living in California, uh, also a student at FIU in my junior year studying international relations and I'm doing very well today. Thank you for asking. Okay, thank you guys for your introduction. So, welcome welcome everyone to Exploring Our Podcast. Okay, so let me see what we have for today's case. Right. So, so for today we have, during the summer of 1986, the Center for African Art in New York City mounted an exhibition of objects which included a bad ear mask from the Baki region of Nigeria. Looking at the mask, one was immediately aware of the gigantic leather ears, the painted wooden head, and the scattered cowrie shells. Also in the exhibition was an ivory coast mask bearing high above the head the figure of a weaver bird. The catalog African Aesthetics, the Carlo Manzini collection, explained that both masks had practical functions. The former was like a judge gavel and robes. Government officials used it to enforce correct behavior by intimidation. The latter was used to enforce correct behavior by example, because the weaver bird was prized for its industriousness and exemplary social behavior. So the question for today is, is it preferable to view the objects first without knowing their functions so as to perceive them purely and then to read the catalog so as to view them a second time with knowledge of their functions or should the first viewing be an informed one so no one is sure to understand the objects fully? That's a very interesting question. I agree. Yeah, it is interesting. I uh, look forward to hearing your guys' opinions on that. So before answering that question, I think we should first talk a little bit about these places and have some insight about them. That sounds like a pretty good idea to me. Um, these, as you said, these exhibitions were showcased in what is today known as the Africa Center. And uh, I'm currently looking at their website, uh, africacenter.org. And according to that website, the Africa Center provides a gateway for engagement with contemporary Africa. The Africa Center is transforming the world's understanding of Africa, its diaspora, and the role of people of African descent in the world. Serving as the hub for the exchange of ideas around culture, business, and policy related to the continent, and in the spirit of collaboration and engagement with individuals and institutions who share the center's values, the Africa Center inspires enthusiasm and advances thought and action around Africa's global influence and impact on our collective and shared futures. 
The Africa Center's physical presence on Fifth Avenue at the intersection of Harlem and the Museum Mile is a location that embodies the dynamism and adversity of Africa and its diaspora in the heart of New York City. That low-key sounds like a nice place. And if I were to ever go to New York again, because I have been in New York before, but if I ever had the chance to go, I would probably most likely like go and visit. Yeah, I've never been to New York, but after uh, doing this research, it's probably one of the top places I'd go check out. Yep, that's very that. true. So now we have a bit of information on the museum that hosted these pieces. Do you guys know anything about the Baki region? I actually coincidentally know that the Baki is a small region that is actually located in the southeast area of Nigeria, and it's almost entirely covered by the Cross River Rainforest. Yeah, and it also holds over 50 individual tribal settlements. Dang. Wow. Over 50? That's like more than the United States. Over 50 states. Dang. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. It it actually is. And most of the people are mm, farmers and much of their culture revolves around harvest festivals and traditional African markets. Hmm. Also for many other countries in West Africa, like the ritual and ceremonial masks are like a large part of their culture. That's pretty interesting. Do you, uh, you know, have any more information on what makes the masks so important to their culture? From what I know, um, these masks usually have like religious meanings and they're mostly used for social events or even like ritual dances. And the tradition of making these masks is usually passed down from father to son, like a patriarchal society kind of thing. And um, as well as the other aspects of their culture, such as like village cultural dances or burial ceremonies and even like communal farming. Okay, yeah, I found some more information. So according to sharingourcultures.com, which is the source for these, in Baki culture, the person wearing a ritual mask loses his or her identity and turns into the spirit represented by the mask itself, allowing for dialogue between the community and the spirits. Yo, that kind of sounds a little bit scary, not gonna lie. <laughs> that would make so much sense to why the government like used the that year mask to enforce like correct behavior. It also is a very efficient method because the mask is quite intimidating and the offenders would most likely believe that their laws are being forced, not by like the humans, but literally the very spirits that they worship. Yeah, that is pretty interesting. Uh, I just looked up the mask and found a picture of it on Google along with some additional details. And it says that it measured about 29 centimeters tall. Um, and then obviously it has really large leather um, they look like wings, or I guess they're supposed to be ears on each side. Um, the main part of the mask is made out of wood, and it's painted black. And it's got some really exaggerated uh, facial features. It does look really intimidating. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want, you know, somebody from the government wearing that mask shouting at me <laughs> to follow the rules. Yeah, that would be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever notice if the mask had, like, cowrie shells? So it looks like it has a, a few of them on the eyes and the nose, and then there's a couple on the ears, but it looks like it probably used to have a lot more, but they kind of fell off or degraded over time. Oh, have you heard about them before? 
I think I've heard of them, but I don't really know, you know, what they are or what's special about them. Oh, well, what, like you said before, they're little white and brown shells that add like another layer of significance. And like you said, they are usually placed on the eyes, nose, and ears. Yeah, and I, I also read that they have been used as a currency in many cultures due to their durability and the lightweight of the shells. Oh, I didn't know that. So you're telling me that they use these shells as like coins? That's kind of cool, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In, in, in the Baki region specifically, they symbolize destiny wealth and spiritual mm. connections they are also believed to represent the mouth of the supernatural entity orisha who taught the baki people stories about humility and respect so i mean to me at least you know it's pretty easy to see why the symbolism of those shells and uh you know the intimidation of the mask overall would be extremely useful and effective in enforcing correct behavior within the populace in the Boki region I see. Do you guys think there are any other like masks they could wear for like any other event? Actually, yeah, they are. There, there are many others, but in this case, oh. uh, they, they, there are masks, traditional masks they use for different occasions like festivals, rituals, or ceremonies. For example, there's the Gilead Gilead mask. I think that's how it's pronounced. My bad if it's not. And this mask is used for performances done during the Jalit festival, which recognizes the power and spiritual capacity women have in a society. And there's also the Jorvuva Gungun mask, sorry again if I'm not pronouncing any <laughs> of this correctly, which is, also <laughs> which is also used for a performance in another festival called the Gungun festival. So it sounds like they have, you know, quite a few different masks that they create and use. So it's probably safe to assume that they have a different mask for each festival. Yeah, I would say so too. Mm, yeah. Well, I think at this point we we've covered enough information about the Bucky and perhaps we should move on and discuss a little bit about the Ivory Coast now. I think you're right. So in that case, just like the Baki region before, <clears throat> let me practice my French, the Côte d'Ivoire, which is French for Ivory Coast, is located like in the Western African region. That was pretty good. I didn't know you spoke French. Um, oh, I only <laughs> took like a year or two, but you know, we try. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, so, pretty um, good. I mean, based on that information, there's probably a good chance that they have similar cultures with the Boki. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Um, their main form of art is also through masks, similar to the Boki region. For the masks have apparently a soul, and when the person is in contact with them, they're like supposedly transformed into the mask. Yeah, uh, which is the reason why they considered them to be a little bit dangerous, and only people that are like supposedly like power enough are allowed to wear them. Wow. Yeah. Oh, only people powerful enough are allowed to wear them. I definitely fit that yeah. description. <laughs> I'd be the one wearing them. So, I could I mean, definitely see that, Richard. <laughs> yes. So it probably, you know, has a similar effect as uh, as it does for the people from the Boki region, right? By linking the masks to something more than just yeah. the human who's wearing the mask, right? Yeah. Yes, it's very similar to like the bat-eared mask and the weaver bird, which symbolizes like 
the something that in this case is like an exemplary social behavior and when they both see this mask uh which is like a symbol due to the meaning of the mask for them and the way they see them they're encouraged to follow exactly what it represents so i hope that makes sense but yeah <laughs> and do you know if it's like the same for all the ivory coast or are there like multiple communities multiple tribes or regions or or how is it divided for them um from what i know there are like multiple tribes all over the ivory coast but they're once um specifically known for making the most popular masks which are the double i'm hopefully i'm saying this right i'm so sorry don guru and the sinufo i think i'm saying it right but yeah those are like the most popular ones okay all right well i think now we have provided uh enough or some background information on the region the max and everything we're discussing right now so let us remind our listeners of the question we're here to answer one more time is it preferable to view the objects first without knowing their functions so as to perceive them purely and then to read the catalog so as to view them a second time with knowledge of their functions or should the first viewing be an informed one so one is sure to understand the objects fully as it would be difficult to argue if there's a wrong or right answer to this question we'll first have each member of the podcast provide uh, their opinion on this and see if we can come to a consensus or conclusion okay well um i'll start so i agree with you right that there is no real quote unquote correct way to answer the question because it's mostly um, at least in my view, a matter of opinion regarding how, you know, each person prefers to view and analyze and contemplate art. So on that note, I look forward to hearing, you know, the opinion of you guys as well to see what you think about it. Um, for me, it's preferable for me to view the objects first without knowing, you know, their functions or what the artist intended by them. Um, this specifically applies to the masks in question today that we talked about, but also just to art in general. Um, viewing it without having a lot of background information allows me to notice and appreciate details of the artwork that I probably wouldn't notice if I were looking at the piece, you know, strictly through the lens of knowing what it was intended to depict or what it was intended to be used for. Um, not knowing the specific function of a piece of art allows me to look at it without any bias or you know preconceived notions. After viewing the art, then I think it's great to look at it again once I've got you know an understanding or done some research regarding the uh, object's function or what the artist's intention was with the piece. Um, because then it allows me to understand, as I said, the artist's intentions and design choices. Uh, for example, the use of the cowrie shells on the mask from Boki, which up until today, uh, I didn't really know what the, the symbolism or the meaning on that meant. So understanding that background history really um, embellishes the amount that I can understand and appreciate the artwork. Hmm. I think I'll be agreeing with you. I think that, at least for me, any piece of artwork, in most cases at least, it is best to first look at it with have, without having any previous context. This way you can give it your 
own interpretation and have your own understanding of it then I I think you can read some information about it so you can uh, also have an understanding understand uh, what the author was trying to communicate or in this case what do the mass mean for their corresponding communities or for the corresponding group of people what 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 uh, kind of representation it has for them I see Thank you. I want to say I agree with both Solomon and Richard, both of you guys, on the basis of how art cannot be fully judged within the first viewing. Uh, I certainly believe that art in general has many different perspectives on how it can literally be perceived. Sometimes you have to look at it like, let's say, like upside down or out of the box or really deeply into its like basic structure. Sometimes looking at the piece in the first glance can really say a lot for the type of person that you could be or who you are. And I truly think that the experience is one of a kind. I also think that art can help identify one's mindset or ideals and how they perceive like certain pieces. And I find that super interesting because then the second like one like knows something different about the piece, like everything changes on how they perceive this simple piece and they can make it to something that's like really complex in a matter of seconds and because of this i feel like art has like is what makes its own beauty so yeah mm. i definitely agree with both of you guys okay so it sounds like we all agree that in most cases it's best to view a piece of art without knowing much background information about it first so you can make up your own mind about the artwork without being influenced by the outside information. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think a good example of this would be, you know, viewing a painting of, uh, let's just say like a battle in the Civil War, right? So if you know a lot about the Civil War, you're probably looking at the painting in terms of what you already know, right? Trying to distinguish, you know, who's the US Army, who are the Confederate Army. Um, you may be trying to figure out, you know, which battle is being depicted in the art, you know, whether it's uh, the Battle of Gettysburg, the only one I know, or maybe one of the many other battles. Um, or you may be looking for famous generals or, you know, uh, President Abraham Lincoln or, you know, people who you associate with the Civil War. You may be looking for them to identify them in that art because you already know so much about the the event that's being depicted. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. For someone like me who doesn't really like history, that would be a challenge. But if you know what the artwork is trying to show, such as like an historical event, um, you'll be most likely to look into like familiar items in a painting. So it'll be easier to identify certain things. Right, yeah. And then, you know, that might cause you to miss details about what the artist's message is or what they're really trying to draw your attention to. Oh, dang it. <laughs> well, can you guys think of any times where the opposite would be the true and you would rather know a bit about the artist or the artwork before viewing it? Definitely any time, like if you're gonna get be tested to like a material for like school or something similar, you know? Uh, it might also be good, you know, if you're going to be looking at the art in a situation where you have limited time. So maybe you don't have as much time to look at it, uh, you know, come up with your own ideas about it and then do the research to go back and look at it again. Um, so you can't get that full understanding right away because of the limited amount of time 
or opportunity that you have to look at the piece of artwork. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like visiting like a very well-known museum and you don't have a lot of time. I also have a recommendation for like a really well-known museum. Like if anybody ever goes to St. Petersburg in Florida, which is like near Tampa, the Salvador Dali Museum, very inspirational, has a lot of different pieces. And usually when you go to museums, you really don't have much time to like glance at the art. So I definitely get that a lot. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. If I yeah. ever get there, I'll check it out. No, yeah, they always have different exhibits going on throughout the year. So, 10 out of 10. <laughs> that's good to know. Well, but yeah. Yeah. I think that just about wraps up this topic in our podcast for today. I want to thank you for joining us so much today, Victoria and Richard. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're always happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you again. I really appreciate it. And this concludes the Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to our the Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious. Bye-bye.